Elder David A. Bednar was called as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in October of 2004. At the time of his call, he was serving as president of Brigham Young University, Idaho. Elder Bednar is a native of San Leandro, California, and served a full-time mission to southern Germany. He earned both his bachelor's and master's degree from Brigham Young University in 96, and, excuse me, in 1976 and 1977. <laughs> you don't look that young, Elder Bednar. <clears throat> And he received a doctorate in organizational behavior from Purdue University in 1980. He was a business professor at Texas Tech University and at the University of Arkansas. He taught courses in organizational behavior, team management, total quality management, and managerial communication, and was twice the recipient of the Outstanding Teacher Award in the College of Business Administration. In 1994, he was recognized as the outstanding teacher at the University of Arkansas and received the Burlington Northern Foundation Award for Excellence in Teaching. Elder Bednar's publications have appeared in diverse scholarly and trade journals, and he is the author of several managerial organizational behavior books. He has served in the Church as a bishop, a stake president, a regional representative, as an area authority, and an area authority 70 prior to his call to the Twelve. Elder Bednar is married to Susan K. Robinson, native of Afton, Wyoming, and they are the parents of three sons. And now we'll have the opportunity of hearing from Elder Bednar. Brothers and sisters, Susan and I are delighted to be with you here this morning. She and I have been enthusiastically engaged in university life for more than 30 years, and we love the young people of the Church. Time spent with you this morning for us is a sacred privilege. I now seek for and invite the assistance of the Holy Ghost as I speak with you about essential spiritual truths. In October of 1987, Elder Marvin J. Ashton, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, spoke in general conference about spiritual gifts. I recall with fondness the impact his message had upon me at that time. And the things he taught then continue to influence me today. In his message, Elder Ashton described and detailed a number of less conspicuous spiritual gifts, attributes and abilities that many of us might not have considered being spiritual gifts. For example, Elder Ashton highlighted the gift of asking, of listening, of hearing and using a still small voice of being able to weep, of avoiding contention, of being agreeable, of avoiding vain repetition, of seeking that which is righteous, of looking to God for guidance, of being a disciple, of caring for others, of being able to ponder, of bearing mighty testimony, and of receiving the Holy Ghost. This morning I want to talk with you about another seemingly simple and perhaps underappreciated spiritual gift, the capacity of being quick to observe. I will also attempt to explain why appropriately seeking for this blessing is vitally important for you and for me in the world in which we do now and will yet live. All of us have learned important lessons from the central characters in the Book of Mormon. 
As we read about and study the lives of Nephi and Laman and Alma and King Noah and Moroni and many others, we discover things we should and should not do. And we realize more completely the kinds of people we should and should not become. In my study of the Book of Mormon, I have been especially impressed with a particular description of Mormon, the principal compiler of the Nephite record. The specific depiction of this noble prophet, to which I would direct our attention this morning, is contained in the first five verses of the first chapter of Mormon. And now I, Mormon, make a record of the things which I have both seen and heard, and call it the Book of Mormon. And about the time that Amaron hid up the records unto the Lord, he came unto me, I being about ten years of age. And Amaron said unto me, I perceive that thou art a sober child, and art quick to observe. Therefore, when ye are about twenty and four years old, I would that ye should remember the things that ye have observed concerning this people. And behold, ye shall engrave on the plates of Nephi all the things that ye have observed concerning this people. And I, Mormon, remembered the things which Amaron commanded me. Now, brothers and sisters, please note that the root word observe is used three times in these verses. And Mormon, even in his youth, only ten years of age, is described as being quick to observe. As you study and learn and grow during your time as a university student, I hope you also are learning about and becoming quick to observe. Your future success and happiness will in large measure be determined by this spiritual capacity. Please consider the significance of this important spiritual gift. As used in the scriptures, the word observe has two primary uses. One use denotes to look or to see or to notice, as we learn in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 20. Seeing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears, but he heareth not. The second use of the word observe suggests to obey or to keep, as is evident in verse 6 of section 54 in the Doctrine and Covenants. But blessed are they who have kept the covenant and observed the commandment, for they shall obtain mercy. Thus, when we are quick to observe, we promptly look or notice and obey. Both of these fundamental elements, looking and obeying, are essential to being quick to observe. And the Prophet Mormon is an impressive example of this gift in action. I now want to present several examples of the lessons that can be learned when you and I are blessed to be quick to observe. I have a dear friend who served as a stake president. The patriarch in the stake over which he presided had experienced some health challenges and was unable to perform in his calling. The ailing patriarch had difficulty moving about dressing and caring for himself, and his strength was limited. One Sabbath afternoon, this good stake president visited the home of the patriarch to encourage him and check on his well-being. As the stake president entered the home, he found the patriarch dressed in his suit and white shirt and tie, sitting in a recliner in the front room of his home. The stake president greeted the dear patriarch 
and knowing how hard it must have been to dress himself, graciously suggested to the patriarch that it was not necessary for him to get dressed up on the Sabbath or to meet visitors. In a kind but firm voice, the patriarch reproved the stake president and said, Don't you know that this is the only way I have left to show the Lord how much I love him? The stake president was quick to observe. He both heard and felt the lesson, and he applied it. Reverence for the Sabbath day and the importance of respect and appropriate demeanor and dress took on added importance in the ministry of that stake president. The spiritual ability to see, to hear, to remember, and to act upon that lesson was a great blessing in his life and in the lives of many others. Before attending her sacrament meetings, Sister Bednar frequently prays for the spiritual eyes to see those who have a need. Often as she observes the brothers and sisters and children in the congregation, she will feel a spiritual nudge to visit with or make a phone call to a particular person. And when Sister Bednar receives such an impression, she promptly responds and obeys. It often is the case that as soon as the Amen is spoken in the benediction, she will talk with a teenager or hug a sister or, upon returning home, immediately pick up the phone and make a call. As long as I have known Sister Bednar, people have marveled at her capacity to discern and respond to their needs. Often they will ask her, How did you know? The spiritual gift of being quick to observe has enabled her to see and to act promptly and has been a tremendous blessing in the lives of many people. Your president, Elder Samuelson, participates each month in a Church Board of Education meeting in Salt Lake City. President Hinckley serves as the chair of that board. The counselors in the First Presidency, several members of the Quorum of the Twelve, and other general authorities and general auxiliary leaders also sit on that board. During my years of service at Brigham Young University, Idaho, I also was blessed to participate in monthly board meetings. At the conclusion of the June 2004 board meeting, President Hinckley called upon Elder David B. Haight to offer the benediction. It was the last board meeting in which Elder Haight ever participated. At the age of 97, he had some difficulty as he tried to stand and offer the prayer. After several attempts to rise to his feet, President Hinckley courteously said, David, it is all right, suggesting, I believe, that it was permissible for Elder Haight to remain in his chair and offer the prayer. Elder Haight responded in a voice that was both firm and appropriate and said, President, I must stand. There was simply no way that mighty apostle was going to sit and pray in the presence of the First Presidency and his colleagues of the Twelve. And of greater importance, he was not going to sit as he communicated with his Heavenly Father. So once again, Elder Haight worked to stand and was successful. I shall never forget the spirit I felt as I listened to Elder Haight pray. I hope on that occasion I was quick to observe a powerful lesson about the dignity and the humility that should always attend our prayers. In my present calling, 
I am blessed by Elder Haight's example and feel a deep sense of gratitude for what I saw and felt and learned that day. Sister Bednar and I are acquainted with a returned missionary who had dated a special young woman for a period of time. This young man cared for the young woman very much, and he was desirous of making his relationship with her more serious. He was considering and hoping for engagement and marriage. Now, this relationship was developing during the precise time that President Hinckley counseled the Relief Society sisters and young women of the Church to wear only one earring in each ear. The young man waited patiently over a period of time for the young woman to remove her extra earrings, but she did not take them out. This was a valuable piece of information for this young man, and he felt unsettled about her non-responsiveness to a prophet's pleading. For this and other reasons, he ultimately stopped dating the young woman because he was looking for an eternal companion who had the courage to promptly and quietly obey the counsel of the prophet in all things and at all times. The young man was quick to observe that the young woman was not quick to observe. Now, before I continue, I presume that some of you might have difficulty with my last example. In fact, this particular illustration of the young man being quick to observe may even fan the flames of controversy on campus, resulting in letters of disagreement and even outrage to the daily universe. (laughs) You may believe the young man was too judgmental or that basing an eternally important decision, even in part, upon such a supposedly minor issue is silly or fanatical. Perhaps you were bothered because the example focuses upon a young woman who failed to respond to prophetic counsel instead of a young man. (laughs) I simply invite you to consider and ponder the power of being quick to observe and what was actually observed in the case I just described. The issue was not earrings. Now, one final example. I have long been fascinated by the nature of the interaction between the Spirit of the Lord and Nephi found in 1 Nephi chapters 11 through 14. As you recall, Nephi desired to see and hear and know the things his father Lehi had seen in the vision of the Tree of Life. In chapters 11 through 14, the Holy Ghost assists Nephi in learning about the nature and meaning of his father's vision. Interestingly, 13 times in these chapters, the Spirit of the Lord directs Nephi to look as a fundamental feature of the learning process. Nephi repeatedly was counseled to look, and because he was quick to observe, he beheld the tree of life, the mother of the Savior, the rod of iron, and the Lamb of God, the Son of the Eternal Father. I have only described a few of the spiritually significant things Nephi saw. You may want to study these chapters in greater depth and learn from and about Nephi's learning. As you study and ponder, please keep in mind that Nephi would not have seen what he desired to see. He would not have known what he needed to know. And he could not have done what he ultimately needed to do if he had not been 
quick to observe. Brothers and sisters, that same truth applies to you and to me. Quick to observe, prompt to watch and to obey, a simple gift that blesses us individually and in our families and extends blessings to so many other people. Each of us can and should strive to be worthy of the significant spiritual gift, even the capacity of being quick to observe. Let me now address the question of why the spiritual gift of being quick to observe is so vital for us in the world in which we do now and will yet live. Simply stated, being quick to observe is an antecedent to and is linked with the spiritual gift of discernment. And for you and for me, discernment is a light of protection and direction in a world that grows increasingly dark. Much like faith precedes the miracle, much like baptism by water comes before the baptism by fire, much like gospel milk should be digested before gospel meat, much like clean hands can lead to a pure heart, and much like the ordinances of the Aaronic priesthood are necessary before a person can receive the higher ordinances of the Melchizedek priesthood, so being quick to observe is a prerequisite to and a preparation for the gift of discernment. We can only hope to obtain that supernal gift of discernment and its light of protection and direction if we are quick to observe, if we both look and obey. President George Q. Cannon, who served as a counselor to four presidents of the Church, taught powerfully about the spiritual gift of discernment. Quote, One of the gifts of the gospel, which the Lord has promised to those who enter into covenant with Him, is the gift of discerning, a gift which is not much thought of by many and probably seldom prayed for. Yet it is a gift that is of exceeding value and one that should be enjoyed by every Latter-day Saint. Now, the gift of discerning of spirits not only gives men and women who have it the power to discern the spirit with which others may be possessed or influenced, but it gives them the power to discern the spirit which influences themselves. They are able to detect a false spirit and also to know when the Spirit of God reigns within them. In private life, this gift is of great importance to the Latter-day Saints. Possessing and exercising this gift, they will not allow any evil influence to enter into their hearts or to prompt them in their thoughts, their words, or their acts. They will repel it. And if perchance such a spirit should get possession of them, as soon as they witness its effects, they will expel it, or in other words, refuse to be led or prompted by it. Close quote. Can you and I recognize how crucial this spiritual gift is in our lives today, and how being quick to observe is a powerful invitation for the blessings of discernment? President Stephen L. Richards, who served as a counselor to President David O. McKay, has provided additional instruction about the nature and blessings of discernment. Quote, First, I mention the gift of discernment embodying the power to discriminate between right and wrong. I believe that this gift, when highly developed, arises largely out of an acute sensitivity to impressions, spiritual impressions, if you will, 
to read under the surface, as it were, to detect hidden evil, and more importantly, to find the good that may be concealed. The highest type of discernment is that which perceives in others and uncovers for them their better natures, the good inherent within them. Every member in the restored Church of Christ could have this gift if he willed to do so. He could not be deceived with the sophistries of the world. He could not be led astray by pseudo-prophets and subversive cults. Even the inexperienced would recognize false teachings, in a measure at least. We ought to be grateful every day of our lives for this sense, which keeps alive a conscience which constantly alerts us to the dangers inherent in wrongdoers and sin. Close quote. As we integrate the teachings of Presidents Cannon and Richards, we learn that the gift of discernment operates basically in four ways. First, as we read under the surface, discernment helps us detect hidden error and evil in others. Second, and more important, it helps us detect hidden errors and evil in ourselves. Thus, the spiritual gift of discernment is not exclusively about discerning other people and situations. But as President Cannon taught, it is also about discerning things as they really are within us. Third, it helps us find and bring forth the good that may be concealed in others. And fourth, it helps us find and bring forth the good that may be concealed in us. Oh, what a blessing! And a source of protection and direction is the spiritual gift of discernment. The teachings of Presidents Cannon and Richards concerning the power of discernment to detect hidden evil and to identify good that may be concealed become even more important to you and to me in light of a specific element of Lehi's vision. In the vision, various groups of individuals were pressing forward that they might obtain the path which led unto the tree of life. The straight and narrow path came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree. And the mist of darkness described in the vision represents the temptations of the devil, which blind the eyes of the children of men and lead them into broad roads that they are lost. Now, please pay particular attention to verse 23 in 1 Nephi chapter 8. And let us now liken this scripture to our day and the challenges we face in an increasingly wicked world. And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. I repeat again for emphasis the truth that discernment is a light of protection and direction in a world that grows increasingly dark. In these latter days, you and I can press forward safely and successfully through the mist of darkness and have a clear sense of spiritual direction. Discernment is so much more than recognizing right from wrong. It helps us to distinguish the relevant from the irrelevant, the important from the unimportant, and the necessary from that which is merely nice. 
The gift of discernment opens to us vistas that stretch far beyond what can be seen with natural eyes or heard with natural ears. Discerning is seeing with spiritual eyes and feeling with the heart. Seeing and feeling the falsehood of an idea or the goodness in another person. Discerning is hearing with spiritual ears and feeling with the heart. Hearing and feeling the unspoken concern in a statement or the truthfulness of a testimony or doctrine. I have frequently heard President Boy K. Packer counsel members and priesthood leaders that, quote, If all you know is what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears, then you will not know very much, close quote. His observation should help all of us to appropriately desire and seek for these spiritual gifts. Observing and discerning also enable us to assist others who are seeking to obtain the path and who desire to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. Blessed with these spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, we will not lose our way. We will not wander off. We will not be lost. And we can only hope to obtain the supernal gift of discernment and its light of protection and direction if we are quick to observe. As Alma taught his son Helaman, See that ye take care of these sacred things. Yea, see that ye look to God and live. My dear brothers and sisters, I declare my witness, even my special witness, that Jesus is the Christ, our Redeemer and our Savior. I know, I testify, I witness that He lives. And in the authority of the Holy Apostleship, I invoke His blessing upon each of you, that indeed you may desire to be and become quick to observe and truly discerning. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen.